Hey, Mike, should I pay down my mortgage? <laughs> yes. All right. No, wait, no. <laughs> well, that's been another fun-filled, action-packed episode of Financial Life Planning with Mike Morton and Matt Robeson. We are co-hosts of this outstanding podcast which features Mike Morton, who is a financial planner, and me, Matt Robeson. I am not a financial planner, but I'm full of lots of questions. Mike, a yes, no, I should? You don't yeah. know. Somewhere in between. Matt, as we're trying to record this, what is going on with the recording software these days, and especially your camera? Why does your camera keep blipping in and out? You remember those choose-your-own-adventure books, right? Turn to page 27 if you decide to accept the Martians' invitation to board their <laughs> spacecraft. And I've turned to page 27, and our Riverside recording platform is like, no, sorry, you're going to appear like a 1987 virtual reality simulator. It's like, I am mostly three or four pixels. And, you know, what's really embarrassing is it's an improvement over reality. That's right. Go back to page five. Reading those Choose Your Adventure books, did you do this too, Matt, where you'd like, I'd have fingers in all the pages. Just in case I didn't like the way it was turning out, I could always go back to where I was. Right, and then you could self-justify. It's like, and look, I chose the right path. Amazing. That's right. Yeah. That, by the way, uh, fun story. Economists do the same thing, right? There's an old joke. If you want to get 10 predictions, ask two economists. And so what economists do, listen, seriously, the next time you're like on MSNBC or five, whatever it is, listen to an economist making a prediction and they're going to hedge and they're going to give you like three or four scenarios. And then after the fact, they'll be like, as I said a couple of months ago, it's like, no, you didn't. That's right. That's why I love the headlines in the paper. It's like, stock market goes down because, and then you just make up whatever happened yesterday because the market went down right. and some what? things happened. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the, the weather man, the weather lady. Right. Like what they're very, very good at is telling you, here is what just happened. Here's why it's raining right. now. But we can't tell you if it's going to rain tomorrow. We can tell you like, hey, by the way, you think that we're just like jibber jiving here. We're not. This is very related to the way you want to answer my question, right? Like you actually, you actually have a multiverse of answers. A multiverse of answers. Should you pay down? All right, you asked me, should I pay down my mortgage? And this is a question I get a lot. We're talking about mortgages and people have different thoughts on should I throw some extra dollars at this or not? It's always, always a question. So today I wanted to present a couple of different ways of thinking about it and a couple of uh, clients that I have spoken to that have different ways of thinking about it. So hopefully this will help you answer the question, should you pay down your mortgage? Can I suggest that if you, at the end of this episode, don't find this helpful, first of all, direct all complaints to Mike Morton. I'm just the humble co-host here. But also, I'd like to suggest that even if you don't find this helpful for the question of should I pay down my mortgage, it's a great strategy if you don't want to give an answer to your wife about a question. My wife and I are always doing this to each other. If we have to make a decision, but we don't want to give an answer, the best position to be in is she will try and say, what do you think we should do? And then I don't have an answer that I want to commit to. So I'll say, okay, here are the options. There's three ways to think about this, right? And That's like right. sometimes it'll still fool her. She, she's going to listen to this. She's going to be like, oh, I know that trick. But still, sometimes it works. Sometimes it works. So you got to keep trying it. <laughs> Make them go first, right? All right, three ways to think about this. What's your first? First one is by the numbers. What I say is by the numbers. And, you, and so this is the non-emotional side. This is just straight looking at the logistics, the numbers, playing it out. And a lot of times comes down to having a low borrowing rate. Today's mortgage rates are the highest. Let's start that, right? Today's mortgage rates just hit the highest that they've been in like more than 20 years, you know, over 7%. Um, and so that's why this question's coming up. Now, people have different mortgages. If you're lucky enough that you've owned your home for two or three years, 
you probably refinanced. You might have even refinanced a couple of times to take advantage of the falling rates uh, in previous years. They bottomed out around 3% or even slightly lower. So by the numbers, when you're saying if you have a mortgage that's like 2 3 4%, right? And then to, so that's what your borrowing costs. And you're locked into that. You're locked into that. Yeah, which is good news for you. Yeah, yeah. So you have borrowed $300,000 at 4% mortgage interest rate. And that's your locked in. That's why your monthly payments are the same for the next 27 years. You got it three years ago, 30-year mortgage. You're paying the same amount, 4% interest. You borrowed $300,000. Now, and you still owe $250,000. So your question is, should I pay some of that down? Hey, I got some extra cash. I pay some of that down. You borrowed money at 4% and today you could get 5% interest rates. We've been talking about that. What to do with my cash. You could get 5% interest rate. So you borrowed at 4% and you can get 5%, right? So it's a no brainer. Don't pay down the mortgage. That way you can think about it. You'd be saving 4%. If you pay an extra thousand dollars, towards your mortgage, you're saving the 4% interest. You could take the same $1,000 and make 5% interest. So it's a no-brainer. Keep so the $1,000. So you $1, make 10 bucks for every 1000 bucks in your in your Exactly. Scenario. Yeah, okay. now, caveat, of course, the, the mortgage is fixed, but the 5% is not. That might go to 6%. Hey, that would be great. It might go back down. That's not guaranteed, but your investments you can get. If you invest the $1,000 in, in safe stuff, maybe it's 5%. If you invest it for the long term, we've talked numbers before, you might get 10% if you put it in the stock market for 20 years. So borrowing costs were very low for you because you have a 3 or 4% interest and you can currently make more than that even in super safe stuff. So by the numbers, if you have a low mortgage, no, you do not want to pay down your mortgage ahead of time. Got it. All right. So Mental model number one is just just do what the math says. Just whatever the chart. It's like you've gone in to go play some blackjack, and it's like no hunches, no nothing. Just do what the table says. Like you bring the little table in, you, you hide it under the, the casino sees everything. You just <laughs> do what the numbers say. Interest rate arbitrage. Yeah. Now, if you're slightly different, you might be listening and say, "Well, I just got my house a year ago, and I'm at five percent interest rate." Same thing applies. Okay. So think of it the same way. You're borrowing at five percent. Your safe investments can still get 5%, so I'd hold the money. If you want to invest, you know, you got an extra 20 grand. Mike, should I spend, you know, pay down 20 grand towards my mortgage or invest 20 grand for the future? I'd say you can get maybe 7, 8, 9% return over, over the years investing in the stock market or a mix of things. So you're still better off, you know, investing for the future by the numbers. Got it. All right. Well, I mean, this is an idea that we've talked about related to different topics of like, you just kind of compare interest rates and like, how much is it costing you to get some money? How much is it costing you to to spend some money? We talked about this in the episode on HELOCs, which as best I understand it is an alien race that's allied with the Ferengi and the Klingons. And we've talked about it and should I pay down my student loans? Okay. Model number one makes sense. Now here's my question. If the numbers are obvious, why are there two other models? Like, I mean, <laughs> here's, should, here's why. shouldn't we all just do what the math says? Isn't that yes. like what math is for? Because we are all just like Dr. Spock and Mr. Spock, right? We just do yeah, everything. Dr. Spock is a different dude than Mr. Spock. <laughs> Mr. Dr. Spock. Spock wrote a great book that. about how to take care of your kids. Mr. Spock <laughs> did That's not. Right. Although, fun fact, Leonard Nimoy was also a folk musician. So, you know, that, you get a lot out of him. All right. So we are all completely logical beings, Matt, and we just always do things 
totally rationally. I mean, you know a lot about economists, right? Aren't we totally rational beings? <laughs> but shouldn't you be advising people to behave rationally? Like, are you uh, just saying, like, like, let's accept what is, not what should be? Well, here's where I've got to help people, Matt, because, yes, it would be great if you were rational and I could just give you the rational stuff. But when I work with clients, they're human beings. And my goal as a financial advisor, financial planner, is to help you enjoy your best life. So if I tell, if Matt, you come to me and you say, man, this mortgage is just way, no, it's like, man, I, I can't sleep at night. I borrowed $300,000. It's such a massive number. It's making me like anxious. Every time I'm looking at my account statements, I can't sleep at night. I can't look at you and say, Matt, I don't care about that. Just pay it. Just pay it as you go. You got 28 more years, my friend, uh, with 28 years of suffering, having that hanging over your head. That would be very bad human advice. So, all right. So you're, you're basically making the case for why there should be a model two. Yes. This is why there is a model two because we are human. So I'll quote Morgan Housel who wrote a fantastic book called the psychology of money. He's very, very versed in all the numbers, all financial planning, everything. And a fantastic writer, highly recommend the book, the psychology of money. And the quote from there is we own our house without a mortgage which is the worst financial decision we've ever made, but the best money decision we've ever made. The one thing that gives us is a level of independence and autonomy. Now, if you have a mortgage right now, two or $300,000, and it's weighing on you, think about for a minute, what if you didn't have that? How would you feel? And that's what Morgan Housel's quote is. It gives us a level of independence and autonomy. You suddenly feel free. Yeah, I can try to pursue this uh, writing career in his case, right? I could try to do that because I don't have a $4,000 payment I have to make every single month. Even if you had the money in the bank, it's still psychologically uh, weighing on you. So many of my clients are in that situation as well. Don't like the mortgage. It's weighing on them, makes them anxious. They want more autonomy, flexibility, even though they might have 100,000 in the bank, 200,000 in the bank. They would like to use that money to pay off the mortgage to feel more free. And hey, we all are living our unique lives. And if that's you, then yes, that's something that I think is a good idea to explore. Can you tell me, uh, let me tell you why you're making me feel better. I attended a college where I majored in economics. I graduated. This is not, this is, there's humble bragging and then there's just bragging bragging. <laughs> this is just me bragging. I graduated <laughs> with distinction. In economics, oh my, my roommate, my roommate, also went to the same college, and we actually decided to become roommates after college, as we were waiting to take our exam to see if we got distinction in economics or not. Okay, so we're living together for two years in Washington D.C. after we graduate from college, with degrees in economics. Together, we're both working in the field of economics. We both have student loans. At the time, and this is probably because interest rates were just invented because it was a long time ago, interest rates were pretty, I, I guess, moderate. Um, and our student loan repayment rates, like our borrowing rates, were low. So it made not a lot of financial and economic sense for me to pay off my student loans. My roommate said, I can arbitrage here. And by the way, he went on to work at the Federal Reserve. So that makes a lot of sense. And <laughs> he was just like, all right, I'm just going to bank what money I have left over from my paycheck month to month when I'm not putting it to like beer and re repairing a ridiculous couch. 
uh, in our post-college life. And I am going to pay my monthly payment on my student loan. And I'm going to bank the extra and earn that extra couple of percent. And he felt great about that because he lived by the numbers. He's a Model 1 guy. I was irrational. And I paid down my student loan with my extra earnings because I just didn't like to be in debt. I just, I don't like it. I do not like it. And so for all of my teasing a moment ago, like I am actually that guy. I paid it down. Yeah. I love it, Matt. What a great story. And I still have student loans that I'm paying, you know, about a hundred bucks a month. (laughs) Something very nominal because they're very small. I could wipe them out and pay it off. And I'm like, nope. Not going to. I'm just going to keep paying that. they charged you where you went to college? <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that funny? Oh, man. Back in the day. Still, still going. All right. We've gone through two models. We've determined that I think I should be a Model 1 guy. In reality, I'm a Model 2 guy. Why is there a Model 3? What is Model 3? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There is a kind of a Model 3, which is you've grown up in an environment. Or we've all grown up in certain environments, obviously. But in, with relation to money, many people come out of their early years with a relationship to money. And it's kind of ground into you those first 20 years of life. However your home life was when you were growing up, if money was really tight, then that, you, you might feel very anxious about money and bills. You know? If things felt very comfortable, maybe you know, you're like, oh yeah, money, you, know, you take more risk. You feel very comfortable with money, no problem. So a lot of it's very formative during especially those first 20 years. So part of it is the environment you're in. And so one of my clients recently, I was talking with them and they said, oh, I've always, I noticed they were paying an extra 500 bucks uh, each month towards their mortgage. And the mortgage rate was very low, like 3%. I was like, yeah, I think you should just hold on to that money. You could in- invest it. And they said, mm. I've always just had the attitude to pay extra towards your mortgage. That's what you do. You know, and so it's like, you just kind of, oh, this is the way it goes. Like, this is what uh, my parents did, or this is what my, my friend group is, has always done, and, or the pod, podcasts I listen to say, this is what you should do. And it's like, hey, that's, that's what you should do. And didn't, never really looked at the numbers or questioned that and felt good about it, I'm sure. You know? So I think that's the third model is like, oh, I just do this because this is the way it's done. And much better to be proactive, think about it for yourself and your situation, think of the numbers, think about your emotions, and make a decision that makes sense for you. Are you ready to create your ideal lifestyle? Let's discover what's most important to you and design a plan to have more of that in your life. Go to meetmikemorton.com. All one word, meetmikemorton.com. All right, I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to blow your mind. Or I'm going to lose our entire audience (laughs) or both. You ready? There is a, among nerds, famous theory in political science, which is three models of behavior when it comes to governments. And they actually line up really well with your three models. And the classic case on this, by the way, I studied with the guy who came up with this in grad school. The classic case is the Cuban Missile Crisis, and I won't bore people with a lot of historical detail. But the the setup is you're trying to understand why the Soviet Union is doing what they do. And you can understand it First, as model one, which is you pretend that they're just like a guy who's making rational calculations or a gal in, in mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. It's, it's your model one. Model two 
is more like, this is a little bit of a twist. It's more like your model three. Model two is that governments are big. They're big bureaucracies. And the way that they proceed is they just have a lot of standard operating procedures. Right. And it's the only way to get things done because you can't have a meeting for every single action. So you got to set up some protocols. And so you do things because, hey, that's just the way we do things. And then model three is there's a negotiation. There are different factions, different voices, and the outcomes, the decisions that are made are the result of hashing it out and like different power structures kind of like fighting within the, the internal structure. That's a lot like your model too. It's the emotional war that goes on inside all of us. So there you go. If people sat with me through that, I just want to tell you that political scientists have a version of this that you can scale up. It makes a ton of sense with what you just described for individual people. Wait, are you saying I didn't just invent these three models, Matt? Is that what you're trying to tell me? I thought I, 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 thought honestly, I just came up with something really new here. <laughs> I was today years old and up to about 10 seconds ago, I thought that you invented these three models. Oh, darn. All Did right. you invent well, these three models? Yeah, we'll, we'll try again next time. <laughs> Something else next time. There is one more way I did want to bring up thinking about this. And it could be in the context, not, not another model, but kind of another way of thinking about it is in the context of your situation. And mm. what that could be is a lot of people would say retirement. Hey, when I retire, I don't want to have a mortgage. So maybe just refinanced. A couple of years ago, you got 25 years left, but you're going to retire in 15 years. And so you're like, in 15 years, I really want to have this paid off because I want that freedom <clears throat> and autonomy, you know, so yeah. I don't need to pay it off today, but I do have some things that line up with other life events. And that's another way of, of looking at it. So you could put extra money towards the mortgage payments to bring it from 25 years down to, you know, it'll be paid off in 15 years. Um, and it lines up with your life. And I personally did something like this. When we refinanced, I went from, we refinanced like two or three times. Remember rates like kept coming down. It was like 6%, 5, 4. And we went down from like a 30 year to a 20 year, finally to a 15 year quite a few years ago. So there would line up like when my kids are all heading out from high school. When finishing high school and heading off to college, our mortgage would end. And that was a good, I was saving money each time. When the rates came down, refinance, instead of less payment, I actually just went less years to line it up with some life events that made sense for us. And so that's really a nice way of looking at in the context of where you are and those life events. I love that because that's a, a clever blend of the emotional and the mathematical. It could be you could be pure, it could be a pure math exercise, right? It could be, to sound technical about it, you could just be optimizing around a different set of parameters, right? Or it could be an emotional thing where you're essentially saying, the emotion of this is, here's how I want to feel. In fact, I want to simplify. I don't want to have multiple burdens hanging over me. It's interesting to me because sometimes the, the pure math analysis that you see in different domains, it, it makes sense to me from a logical standpoint, but it doesn't make sense in the way that you just laid out, which is sometimes it's not just a straightforward dollars and cents calculation. I'll give you an example. For anyone who's ever played poker, there has been a big boom of math in poker. It's totally changed the way professional poker players play. And they really calculate odds, expected values, dollars, and they are very precise about it. If something is a 51% of the time it will make me more money play, then they tell you, make that play. And I disagree with that because 
the way I've thought about it is it really depends on your circumstances. If you're in a tournament and you're playing against other players who you think you're generally better than them, you think you're going to outplay them over time, it's like, I don't want to take what's essentially a 51% shot. I don't want to take a coin flip here. I want to play it out over time. Or I might be in the reverse situation. I might just be lucky to be there. And it's like, look, over time, I'm never going to get the odds this good. So I might play a 49% play. I might play a 45% play because that's my best circumstance. So anyway, I just, I think your fourth model is a really good one. And it's, it's, it's worth people bearing in mind. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it also gets you thinking about the emotions, right? Many people that retirement date is there and they're like, I want the freedom and autonomy. I want to feel that way, have that emotion. So I want this paid off by then and you can work backwards for the numbers. So it does a little bit of, little bit of both. And yeah, I think it's a great way of seeing if it fits into the context of your life and your planning. I'll give you one more hack for anyone who's stuck, but there's bad news up front about this hack, which is it only works once. Oh boy. Okay. Um, is it like and, throwing fire? <laughs> well, throwing fire. Was that like. Rochambeau. You, <laughs> you get to oh, throw fire like one time. I never did that. That was not a rule I had. You could throw fire? Really? Oh, you, st- you still have yours? Oh my gosh, Matt. That's oh amazing. God. Oh, it, it's back in <laughs> poker. It's like when people stand up for a poker table, like, one time, it's like, wait, one time for your whole life? Like, is this it? This is your one time? Is it like once per hour? Um, So there's a hack. And here's more bad news. By telling you about it, I'm going to ruin it for you. But you can use it on other people. Okay. One time, okay? If, If you and your spouse are having this conversation, or if you know of someone else who's stuck, what you can do is the Fraser Crane trick, okay? Um, for fans of the show Frasier, they use this on the show, and I've used it on people. It really works. What you do is they're trying to decide between two alternatives. Should I pay off my mortgage or not, for example? And you say, okay, bear with me on this. I'm going to flip a coin, and I want you to commit that you're going to do whatever the coin flip says. And you say, heads, you pay it off, tails, you don't. You flip the coin. And before you reveal it, you say, admit it. You were hoping that it would be one or the other. And that's a great way of yanking out of yourself. What is your emotional state? What is it you really, really want to have happen? But again, once you've done it, it takes quite a mentality to fool yourself more than once into really, really committing to, I'm going to do whatever the coin says. So it doesn't tend to work more than that one time, but it can be very, very effective if you're really stuck on a major life decision. I bet I could do that every episode with you, Matt, and you'd fall for it every time. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) What about my deep insights into finance gives you that impression? I I feel like, oh my gosh. You know what's really, really doubly cutting about that is that I know I've just been insulted. I can't quite figure out how. (laughs) Ouch. Oh my gosh. That's so rough. While you think about that, maybe we'll wrap up this episode. (laughs) Yeah, let's wrap up this episode. Oh my gosh, it's only going to go downhill from here. Hey, for my co-host, Mike Morton, I'm Matt Robeson. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or MortonFinancialAdvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, 
please email me at financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.